Hi, I'm Ron Gilbert, and welcome to the Thimbleweed Park Stand-Up Meeting Podcast. This is a very special podcast because we released almost a year ago today. Uh, I think the last podcast we did was uh, right after, maybe right before the game ship, so it has been quite a while. And as always, I am joined uh, by David Fox. Hey there. And Gary Winnick. Hello, everyone. So, it's been a year. Yeah. yeah, it just seems like twenty five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll do we'll do our next adventure game together in twenty five years. <laughs> it's like every twenty five years, the three of us will get together and we'll make an adventure game. Yeah, and then and then like our heads are in glass, like on Futurama, <laughs> and we'll get together and do that. You know? As long as you we can just... hire someone to type, I'll probably have arthritis by then. Now your mustache will be able to do it <laughs> because the nanotechnology in your mustache before then will allow it to move the, freely. The smart It'll stash. fly off your body and attack people and stuff like that. Right, the latest adventure game from Ron Gilbert, Gary Winnick, and David's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm, I'm planning to have it frozen in ice and, and <laughs> save for yeah is your tombstone just gonna have a big mustache on it <laughs> we should go back and modify the game and add one. <laughs> there should be hey ron there should have been a a, a check box for mustaches or no mustaches and then all the characters would either have mustaches or not maybe for next time so uh, this is our, our one-year anniversary podcast, and I'm not sure what to talk about since we don't actually have a game that we're working on, and we're talking about what we're uh, doing on the game. So I'm not not really sure what the topic of our one-year anniversary podcast should, well, should really it's weird. be. I mean, it's, it's an anniversary since we launched, right. but it's not really a year since we stopped working on it. No, that's the, I think that's the downside to modern game development is I have been I think I I actually stopped working on the game when we shipped the Ransom DLC. It's like when we shipped that, I've actually been able to relax and work on some private projects and stuff. Yeah, I keep saying why does Ron keep building shit that, you know, breaks and stuff like that, you know. So he so he'll have a job, I guess. Job security. Well, that was just shipped, what, a month ago? Yeah. Okay, so you've been on it for up until the last... Until Almost. Ago. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't full-time. And I was, I was probably on it pretty much full-time until we shipped, um, I guess, the Switch version was the last version we released. So I was pretty much full-time until the Switch came out. And then... And then I was, I you know, it took a little bit of time off and did some stuff, um, and then started into the ransom stuff. The, the I mean, the ransom DLC should have been done a lot earlier. It just, it just turned into a really much more complicated job than I anticipated it being, mostly just because of edge cases. You know, there's lots of, you know, lots of weird places um, that it was just kind of breaking. So I spent a lot more time working on the ransom flashback. You, you didn't just throw all the old files in and, and, and just push a and button. Push a button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, you're, now you're being mean, David. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just another problem with Ron's, you know, engine that he couldn't just push a button to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Ron's fault, I think, all the way around here. Yeah, we pretty much had to charge a, a $1.99 for it because of my sheer incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, and I, I was helping for that, too. I think I spent like a week reviewing all the files and making sure we had them all. And then there, there are issues like where we use the same recording in a couple of places, but didn't have copies of it. So there, there were bugs where he would start beeping instead of swearing in a few places. And 
Right. We also we spent a lot of time testing that too. Yeah, it took a lot of time. So both Katrina and Rob were pounding on that for quite a while, um, because it were just lots of issues. So yeah, it's. I mean, doing that DLC was not just a matter of copying some files over. So Ron, I have a question for you, which you can or you may or may not answer. And any case regarding the limited run um, games deal, is that something where they approached us or what? I mean, how did that come about? Yeah, they they approached us. They came to us and wanted to know whether we wanted to do uh, do the limited run stuff with them. And I think you know the, they've never done Switch before, so Thimbleweed Park will be the very first game that they've ever done on Switch. So that means they'll never do another one, right? <laughs> or or if if they, if um, if people who have Switches out there want them to do more, then they better buy Thimbleweed Park to prove how yeah. how important it is. Yeah, yeah, but buy buy. 12 copies at least that they can pre-order them there's not a uh, I believe there's not a quantity uh, limit on on that right yeah there wasn't I'm not exactly sure how it worked because Jen set everything up mostly so she's the one that did most of that work and uh, but I, I think there were an unlimited number of switch pre-orders um, but then once that's done then there's kind of a limited number um, of 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 things after that, so I don't I don't I don't quite know how the whole thing works with limited run. I think it's just great that we're on a we're on yeah. physical media. And then in terms of the PC and big box, uh, you can still get that from Fan Gamer. They sort of yeah. will you know do that it, to as many orders as they get, I guess. Yeah. Well, there's I mean there's two there's two big box versions. Oh, yeah. so there's the there's the Switch and the PlayStation you know, big box collector's editions, those are limited. Um, but the normal PC version of Thimbleweed Park through Fangamer isn't. I mean, they'll they'll probably, you know, if if the demand's there, they'll probably keep making those those boxes. So are we going to do like a iOS hard copy, like ship an iPhone with it built in? <laughs> yes, it's a $1,000 copy. You get, a, you get an iPhone 10 pre-installed with Thimbleweed Park. Yeah. Burnt into ROM. You can't even delete it. <laughs> it's it's kind of like their calculator. You just you can't delete the movie park from the phone. And, you know, have the launch screen. You know the the you know the, the movie park launch screens on it and background screens. Oh, you mean it has like a Thimbleweed Park OtterBox case that has it like printed on there? Yeah, it's 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 Thimble Phone. It's <laughs> yeah, the Thimble and then, Phone. And then for you know, add a bunch of like you know random sound effects for like you know. The ringtones. Ring so yeah. the ringtones are all ransom swearing. Yeah. It's the it's the only ringtone. Pick offered. up the goddamn phone. <laughs> you know, there's probably a market out there for like four of those at least, Ron. Well, you know, Ray has that big chunky 1980s cellular phone. Yeah. We should we should make a Thimbleweed like Park one of those. Like oh, how about phone. how about a how about just an iPhone case in the shape of one of those old phones? Now that's that we could. Well, that would be a big case. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, David, I, the belt and, hook. and people wonder why you're not like out designing products. You know? I mean, it's like, uh, do we want to talk about what we're working on now or what? Yeah, know? we could we could talk about that or yeah, what I mean, we're not working on now. Ass- or... Assuming we're actually doing something else besides this, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So, what are you working on, David? Uh, well, let's see. I I feel like I I kind of went into hibernation mode. Um, afterwards, so just you know, relaxing, kind of sleeping more, watching more, catching up on all the TV shows I missed over the <laughs> over the period, um, uh, and also there were there because of 
Apple's or iOS, um, they made that change where you had to ship 64-bit compatible. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So I had to go back to all of our old, old apps that I had shipped and redo those in 64-bit, and, and that broke something on the Rube Goldberg one and had to find workarounds. And so I, I was kind of in a production mini hell for a few months trying to get it out before Apple was going to remove them from the store. Um, and so all that. So it's old stuff, really. Um, I have been doing editing podcasts for Annie, for my wife. And I think the last one I had done was back in July before we were in crunch mode. So I went back to things she recorded like a year ago and caught, caught up on all those. And so it's really just, you know, catch up mode. Um, I, I'm yeah, still do, interested. Do do your laundry stuff like that. Um, stuff well, you didn't hadn't didn't do for yeah, the entire project. I, I, I'm really good at laundry. I, I do that. I'm I'm the laundry guy in the house. Um, and you know the dog poop in the backyard. Pretty much, <laughs> so we're okay there. I, I let the rain deal with the dog poop <laughs> in my backyard. Well, unfortunately, we are, we're downhill. The, the slope is uphill, so it would just rain down into our into our front porch if we did that. So that wouldn't be too cool. Um, and what was the other? Oh, oh yeah, you know, and I've always been interested in virtual reality and all that. So I've been going to more meetups. I've not purchased equipment yet, but yeah, I've been researching a lot there. Um, went to uh, Universal Studios in Florida again to check out the Harry Potter thing second time. Took Annie this you time. And, you and Harry Potter. Yeah, I still like it. And that yeah, was well, really you're, fun. You're one of the six people who still like that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also this place called The Void, which is a virtual reality location-based entertainment center. Um, we actually go and, they, and you, they have a physical space set up to match the virtual space. So like uh, they have a Star Wars game. And if you... You know, you see a bench, you can actually walk up to the bench and sit down on it. And if you see guns on the rack, there's actually guns on the rack and you can pick them up. So it's kind of a, a melding of physical with what you see virtually. And that was that was pretty cool. Um, um, I really enjoyed it the first time. The second time I did it right afterwards, it wasn't as fun because it, it didn't, it wasn't deep. Um, it's pretty much they did it for a one-off and if you went through faster, it just ended faster. Kind of like, kind of like an adventure game. Yeah. So, so Ron, yeah. you're still going to consider doing that Oculus Rift version of uh, Thimbleweed Park, maybe someday? Well, I think that would be fun to do, but I just I don't know that I'm going to get around to it. I certainly don't have the um, the experience to go do that. But yeah, when, when I I did the um, the screens for the um, Viewmaster version what we call the the thimble what we call that the viewtron viewtron yeah and all these things were that i didn't think of before were issues um you basically have to make sure that their feet are always hidden by the foreground stuff right otherwise they'd be floating so you had to go back and add you know crap in the foreground so you never see their feet on the ground since it wouldn't be it wouldn't look like it was perfect I think it's harder than than we thought it would be to do. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, yeah it was fun though. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. Um, um, no, no new projects I'm working on yet. You know, full time, just kind of catching up on old stuff. 
What, what about you, Gary? Uh, okay, so so I've been messing around with comic book stuff. Um, actually, it's interesting when David said, you know, he's looking at stuff that uh, he hadn't touched for a long time. I actually had this comic book idea when I worked at Lucasfilm for this comic book that looked like a comic from the 1960s. It's called The Variants, and I actually worked on it with my friend Brent Anderson, who's a fairly well-known comic book guy. You know that the Lucasfilm owns that, and yeah. now, Dis now Disney owns yeah. that idea. So yeah. yeah, sure. You're going to get a cease and desist letter that you yeah. can no longer work on this comic book. <laughs> well, it's too late. Um because I finished it. But in any case, um, it's something that's, that's. I think Jen might post a picture of it on one of our updates coming up because I gave her one. And it's a weird thing because what I decided to do was print this comic book and have it look like an old comic book from the 1960s and sell it for a quarter. That This is my great business sense at work. So I went out and printed this thing, and it cost me $3 a piece to print these. And you're going to sell them for a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have them actually in two comic book stores because I can't even get into the regular distribution channels with this because um, Diamond, I think, wants to take, like, you know, some percentage, and they don't want to take some percentage of something that's selling for a quarter, if you know what I mean, <laughs> because everybody's losing money, and they don't want to lose money along with me. So I put it into comic book stores. My friend Joe Ferrer, who's at Atlantis and Santa Cruz, and my other friend Alan, who has Heroes in Campbell, California. Those are the only two places you can get it. It's called The Variants. It's a quarter, and it looks like a quarter annual comic book that came out in 1960. So I will you sold, probably... You sold any? Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> so you're just, you're rolling in the quarters. Yeah, I'm, I'm rolling. Well, actually, I'm letting those guys keep the quarters in order to, like, have it compensate them for even bothering to put it on their shelf wow, space. Wow, so, so your business sense really is bad, Gary. <laughs> right. Not only are you charging a quarter for a $3 comic, you're letting them keep all the money. That's right. <laughs> because... Support your local comic yeah, book store. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I, I don't know. I'll figure out what to do about it, but like I said... It's in those two places. I'm going to do some sort of a posting about it eventually. Um, we might even, if if you guys think it makes sense, I'll do a posting on it on our blog at some point well, in time. You should, but, well, you should just put the put the PDF online and then let people buy it directly to you for a quarter. Um, I might and then put it out themselves through Comicology or something, and 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 that way I think I'll make a whole like thirteen cents of uh, a download or something. So, you know, there's big money in those downloads, Ron. I've heard that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. Oh, that and and you know we got a new a new puppy, and unlike Ron, we do have to clean up the poop because it's all over our house. Oh uh, well, you have a puppy. Yeah, when when Pep was a puppy, we were definitely cleaning up poop around the house. Yeah. But so other than that, things are going great. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So uh, let's see. What what have I been doing? I've been. Um, Working on a uh, a little kind of top-down view RPG game. That's kind of been most most of my time. I kind of had a weird little story in mind, and it it's kind of story that doesn't really work as an adventure game. It works much better as a as a little you know RPG type thing. So I just I've been screwing around with that, but uh, mostly I've just been having fun, you know, programming up the stuff. I just really enjoy programming, so. I don't know that the game will ever amount to anything, but I'll probably spend another month or so uh, working on it. Um, still, I mean, a little bit of Thimbleweed stuff, you know, mostly just around, you know, getting sales and promotions and, and, and stuff like that figured out. But that's 
that's pretty much... Are you still planning to do any shows or anything, Ron, or go to any conferences? No. No, I, th- I think we're I think we're done. I'm going I'm going to some conference in May that's in Norway. Huh. I'm going to that, but that's the only thing I've planned. But we're not we're not going to be doing anything for Thumbweed Park. Like we won't be at PAX this year or you know any stuff like that. So I mean those those PAX shows are a lot of work. Oh yeah. Um, I mean most of that work Jen did. She's really really good at that kind of stuff. But it's just it's a lot of work to go to a show like that and you know i i I don't know that it would be hugely beneficial to us um to you know to do shows with thimbleweed park at this point yeah i mean that kind of reminds me i'd like to give kind of a shout out to jen and everybody you know robert and you know uh, everybody on our team who's continuing to just do great stuff for us yeah everyone's been great i mean especially rob and katrina have been wonderful because you know, stuff will come up with, um, you know, uh, product support. You know, someone will try to run the game on some strange Linux flavor or whatever, and, I mean, they both kind of jump on it and try to figure out what's going on and, and fix it. So, you know, the team is, is still working, and I, w- I would imagine that, you know, we'll probably still be working on the game for another year just on this kind of low-level tech support type, type stuff and promotions and you know, little low-level marketing type things. I mean, that, that kind of stuff just never ends, right? You can you can't just you can't just forget about the game because then it really will just you know go to selling one or two copies a day. So, so Ron, I have a question for you relative to things you've done in the past, because you know now we're we're pretty much aside from you know a few physical copies that are sort of collectors things everything is completely digital download all these different platforms do you find that this feels much different to you than the last things you've done or when you were doing the cave and stuff was that still kind of part of the way this worked or is this really like a different kind of experience well it's certainly different than the cave was because you know the cave I didn't have to deal with any of the kind of marketing and sales issues. So, you know, once I was done with the game, I was really done with the game. You know, where this game, you know, I'm I'm still dealing with, uh, you know, a lot of the issues about, you know, when it goes on sale, when it doesn't go on sale, how much does it go on sale, should we be a part of this promotion, you know, Nintendo's doing some, you know, promotion in Spain, and they want to know whether we want to be involved on it, I mean, those are, those are the kinds of things that, you know, Jen, Jen does a lot of dealing with that stuff, but I deal with that a little bit as well, so, um, like I said, I mean, that, that stuff's just going to keep going, I mean, it almost never ends. And then, in, in actuality, uh, people don't necessarily realize or guess, you know, since we're an indie publisher, we actually have a real company that has to, like, fill out real paperwork and pay real taxes and do all this <laughs> other crap. And actually, Ron has handled a great deal of that stuff. I mean, you know, we we do have accountants and lawyers and crap like that, but there's just a ton of other stuff associated with that that a human being who's responsible as i'm going to put in quotations the president of the company or the chairman of the board has to deal with all this stuff well i've engineered everything with taxes so so you're the one that's going to go to prison <laughs> well well they like i said i'm just going to go hey look i paid three dollars for this comic book and i sold it for <laughs> i sold it for a quarter and i let the guys who sell sold it keep the quarters so do the math irs you know yeah i'm sure you violated some tax <laughs> 
the, you're the, you're not allowed to not make money on stuff <laughs> ordinance that the government yeah. the the new government ordinance that came into effect recently because of but i think that is i mean it is an interesting you know point that gary brings up is you know when you're when you're doing stuff like this you know for any indie developer right it's not it's not about just making a game right because you probably have a little you know company it might be an llc or something that you've got and there's just a lot of work that goes into that. I mean, there's a lot of bookkeeping and there's a lot of taxes and there's a lot of, you know, all this kind of stuff that, you know, that we have to deal with. It's like we have a bookkeeper, you know, we, we pay a bookkeeper um, just because I don't know anything about that kind of stuff. And, you know, we pay a tax accountant and, you know, we pay lawyers and all of these types of things that you have to do that that go along with actually making a game. I think I would, you know, I'd be, I would be much happier if all I did was just make a game, but there's all these other things that kind of go along with it. And I think that's where indie developers, you know, they're kind of wearing so many hats, you know, they're business people and they're marketing people and they're sales people and they're programmers or they're artists. And they're just, they're all of these things at once. Well, you had that experience with Humongous too, didn't you? Well, I mean, you know, in the early days, you know, Humongous grew fairly quickly to the point that you know, we hired, um, you know, we hired an in-house accountant and we, you know, hired salespeople and hired marketing people. And so, you know, I was kind of involved in that stuff and very aware of that stuff, but I didn't actually have to do that stuff myself. Where with, uh, you know, with Terrible Toy Box, um, you know, a lot of that stuff is just, is falling on this very small team of people to do and, and, you know, in a lot of respects, we're learning this stuff for the first time. I mean, I've never dealt with steam and sales and promotions, and you know, I'm just kind of floundering around all that with everyone else. I am going to say, I'll say out loud, Ron, I am impressed with the job that you've done with all this stuff, having seen it a lot more than, you know, people who, you know, are not actually intimately involved in the, in the day-to-day operations of this company. I'm pretty impressed. But... I know that one day you just want to have a company that's nothing but accountants and overhead. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's my dream. You're, yeah, and I think that you've done a great job of of keeping it in the forefront. You know, between you know the the sales and the special releases, the physical versions of it, um, all the all the goodies people can buy, you know, Thimble, the Tron stuff, or whatever, um, the record. Um, a lot of which, you know, I didn't. I had no idea you were working on. I didn't realize until it was announced. Oh, an LP! Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, Ron, are we going to get all this crap or what? Yeah, <laughs> we should. You, I mean, you should definitely talk to Jen if you okay. haven't. But I know that she's um, some of that stuff. Well, she'll listen to this and go, "Oh, <laughs> she's very efficient." You know. I still haven't opened my my box. Oh, I haven't opened mine. I'm not going to open oh, it. Oh, your oh the the PC box. Yeah, I, ha- I have it next to my sealed Monkey Island and sealed Maniac Mansion. Just <laughs> David had ne- next to his sealed Zach McCracken. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I should have bought a box of these. I, mean, it was, I wish I had done that back when the our old games came out. I I, I don't I don't think I have a Zach. I'm just kind of looking at my. Um, no, I don't. I don't have a Zach. Yeah, I don't. I I don't even know if I have sealed copies of most of those. Um, I have a few of each game that we worked on. It's like I have a sealed Loom, and I have a sealed, um, 
original Monkey Island. Like this is like the 16 color Monkey Island. Okay, I I have a sealed Rescue on Fractalus <laughs> and a sealed Coronas Rift here and a really? sealed Ball Blazer. You know, sealed. I don't have I don't have any Coronas Rifts. I don't have anything like that. I'm really the opposite of a pack rat. I just have so I really kind of hoarded a lot of Thimbleweed Park stuff because I realized that I just don't have any of that stuff. Like, I don't own a single Humongous Entertainment game. Huh. Of all of those games we made and all those different boxes, I don't own a single one of those. So I, I kind of hoarded a lot of Thimbleweed Park stuff. Yeah, so so, so after you're dead and mummified, people will be going through the storage locker and go, oh, look, there's a big box of what the hell is this? Yeah. No, I'm going to be buried with it all so I can take, <laughs> it, take it into the afterlife. <laughs> so some, I just want to talk about um, one of the biggest differences for me on this game than any game I've worked on is, you know, especially the games back in the old days, and I mentioned this before, was the immediate feedback we get and often very good, good and bad good and bad <laughs> i'd say more good i mean the bad the bad um i tend to ignore but i i i, I spend maybe i don't know half an hour on twitter every day still uh between the movie park stuff and looking at rubrics and and just to see what people are saying and and sometimes interact with them and that's really cool. I mean, it, and it's really cool because I, I also get feedback from people who played our games from way back. Um, and people are still were affected by those games and how, how many people um, ended up in the game industry because they were inspired by the games we used to do, which is mostly good, I think. I think they're, they're happy about that. Um, but that's kind of cool. I mean, it's not, we never got that kind of feedback before. So. No, not at all. There was very little direct interaction. There, there were number. We get sometimes we get sales numbers, but that was so divorced from reality of actually imagining that many people right. sitting and playing the game. So I like that. That's one part that I'll probably continue doing for as long as there's there's people are talking about it. Just you know, interact with people on Twitter. So thank you all. Yeah. I'm Certainly, uh, I will. I will second uh, that in saying that it's really nice to be able to get kind of this immediate reaction, which has been for the most part positive, and it's nice to be able to like see stuff. I, I look every day, you know. I never spent this much time looking at something every day because I never had anything come out in this sort of, you know, now the way the world is, and where. You know, something comes out, and for a year, every single day, there's new stuff about it on the internet, which, as I said, has been generally positive. Mostly, I mean, I th I think I think I think it's um, I mean, I think it's been overwhelmingly positive, right? I, I don't think it's kind of like you know, fifty one percent of the people love the game, and only forty nine percent of the people hate and despise it. I think I think it's overwhelmingly been positive. I think the I think the negative stuff for me, you know, and and I don't. I don't tend to go, you know, trolling forums and stuff, but I think the negative stuff to me kind of, it stings sometimes when, when people are being negative um, about things that they either are misunderstanding or things that are just kind of, I don't know. I don't know what the word is like, like, you know, the ransom DLC stuff, right? I mean, we got a lot of negative um, shit for the ransom 
DLC stuff. And it's just, you know, it's like everybody worked very hard to do that DLC. It was not a matter of copying some files over, right? And 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 to have people just, you know, accuse us of, you know, trying to screw them out of money or trying to do this or, you know, doing something that should have shipped with the original game and just all sort of stuff like that kind of stings because it's like, well, you know, we actually spent a lot of time on this stuff and we didn't ship an incomplete game and now we're trying to do DLC and you know, the fact is if if you don't want to hear if you don't want to spend a dollar ninety nine to hear a clown swear, don't <laughs> spend the money, right? Yeah. It's like we weren't trying to screw anyone over with this stuff and you know, I think we have bent over backwards with people to, you know, to, to help out and to be open and to be honest with this game. And, and so, so that, that stuff stings. And I realize it's a very, very small number of people, right? It's not like there's this huge number of people, but you know, when someone posts some big, you know, ranting thing on steam about how we're trying to screw everybody over with their DLC, that stuff sticks, right? It sticks on the main page of steam. And it's like, you're just like, Oh, why is why is why is that up there? Yeah, I mean, people don't take into account. You know, we did major um, upgrades. To, you know, like the arcade and other stuff like that that we just put. You know, when we yeah, we, and that stuff was the all free. system, all yeah. of that stuff. You know, which is which was a ton of work. Yeah, I guess I guess I just mostly let that stuff brush off me. I mean, it irritates me for a second, and then I just have to think, okay, this person. I mean, whenever I've interacted with someone who's said that stuff they they're like amazed that they were actually heard and they get really really humble and and a little maybe a little embarrassed for having sped it off and um and i think it's that's the downside for social media is that you can you can say say whatever comes into your head before you really have a chance to to think whether you should say that and what the ramifications are and actually would you say that you know, would they walk up to you on the street and say that? Probably not. No, and and I, I mean, I think that's a really interesting point because, you know, there, there have been people who have just, just attacked me, like, you know, on Twitter or, you know, other places where if I was sitting that person face to face, they would not be that way. But there, there is this weird kind of separation, anonymity or removement that happens that you're just, you just you just lash out at people with stuff rather than you know treating people a little more respectfully and 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 again I mean I want to reiterate I, I think the vast majority of people are incredibly respectful you know we get we get a lot of tech support emails from people and most of them people are very polite you know they're very polite and they're asking questions and we help them out and the number of people that you know rant at us on that stuff is 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 really small i think it just it just it just kind of stings sometimes you know when when i feel like i mean there have been people who've ranted about stuff that that you know i kind of agree with like you know people were kind of upset when the game first came out that the characters couldn't talk to each other. Right. And that was like, that was very valid. Right. That was one of those things that we kind of discussed a lot and ultimately didn't do. And that was my call to not do. And that kind of stung because it's like, yeah, you're right. You know, that, that was, and you know, we kind of did a, you know, an, an update for that stuff, but the stuff that is that, that I just kind of don't agree with and just kind of seems very kind of, 
kind of vicious is is the stuff that stings a little bit for me well uh, often you'll I'll see like a conversation between two or three people on twitter and um where they're complaining about something and you know one or two things could happen i mean if if i pop in the conversation since i mean it's, this is an opal channel they, they forget that it's not that anyone can see what they're saying um then it it transforms it immediately usually into into a discussion where we actually talk about what worked what didn't work or often i'll see someone else who's a fan of the game um jump in into the conversation and defend or, or maybe quote something that was said on a blog from one of our blogs or whatever yeah cer certainly you know we support everybody having their own opinions and everything else and and by the same token you're never going to make everybody happy and we we just do the best we can you know we have to make ourselves happy first i think that's always part of good i'm going to say creative development is make yourself happy and hopefully other people will like it but you know you have to be your own best critic yeah so so in looking back you know ron gary um you know to pre kickstarter you know, days and and seeing what it took to do it and the whole thing all in all i mean are you would you do it again are you do you feel like it was a good choice to go ahead and, and push that button to turn on the kickstarter or would you have, have second thoughts and say nope uh i don't have any second thoughts i i think if i you know could magically do it all again i think there's no doubt that i would do this again i think it's been a i think it's been a wonderful experience um, with that stuff, there's certainly things that I would do differently, you know, kind of 2020 hindsight things that, you know, I probably didn't, you know, understand some stuff, um, initially, um, and kind of understand it a little bit more, but, but then there's other things that I wouldn't do differently. You know, there are things that, you know, people have been a little bit critical and things that I think, you know, may have hurt the sales of the game, like having those verbs, down down there on the screen i mean some people have said oh well you would have sold twice as many copies that you gotten rid of those verbs you know or and you know maybe maybe not i don't know whether that's true but i that's a decision that you know we made and i'm happy with that decision because i think having those verbs on the screen was really was really kind of a part of what we were trying to do which was to recreate the charm of those games. And I think those verbs were a part of that charm. And I think it was a part of, in some ways, of what we were experimenting with, you know, or the, the kind of big bobble-headed Maniac Mansion characters. I wouldn't change that, right? Some people have been critical about those those characters, but I don't think I don't think you want to change that stuff. So there's a bunch of stuff that I, I just wouldn't change, even though people were, were kind of critical um, over it. But I don't, I mean, it's an interesting question. I mean, let me ask that question of each of you. It's like, I mean, what do you think, what, what's the one big thing that you would change about the game looking back one year later? Hmm. I mean, I, I'm going to say I certainly agree with Ron about um, the initial question, which was, yeah, I, I, I don't think I would have done, I would have pushed that button. And there are things you learned along the way. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I would have changed any of those things uh, in in hindsight, I could change them, but at the time, I wouldn't have changed them because we made decisions that we that were based on kind of our feelings and guts. So, I think that we kind of were were true to that, and we did 
kind of accomplish what we set out to accomplish was to see whether or not we could recreate this feeling. Certainly for me, working with the two of you guys and Mark and everybody else on the team was a very um, cathartic and kind of nostalgic process because that really brought home to me what it was like to make these things before. So I really enjoyed not only the project but certainly the people I work with. Um, as far as what I would change in the game, you know, I don't, I, you know, Ron brings up the verbs, and I think maybe that's something I might have looked at more deeply, but we were trying to recreate that experience, so that's why we did the verbs, but uh, that might have been interesting to, to maybe even try something different than what we've seen out there with more minimal interfaces, something in between. I don't know what that is right now, but I might have sort of wanted to explore that a little bit more. That's about it. Yeah, and for me, um, the whole experience was super positive. Um, you know, there were a couple of times when I was feeling some frustration, but that was mostly, um, you know, with a bug that I couldn't figure out or bugs that kept on coming back to bite us. Or but my that, crappy tools. <laughs> yeah, Ron, I need some more of these features. And, you know, so having a better, having a tools person on, on, the, on the team to actually polish some of the tools would have been nice. But, you know, we could work around pretty much all the issues so it wasn't critical um the the one thing would have been nice if we had um either more time and or our budget say for voice would have been to have gone through and maybe added more um interactions to the, that really non-game related for you know, inspecting objects and you know I, I think there was a point where we were trying we realized how many lines of dialogue we had and we were trying to cut down the number of recorded lines that the actors are going to have to say. And so we started coming up with macros that would um, read, you know, if they were close enough, we would just use the macro to say a certain line instead of actually coming up with a bunch more options. So maybe having more options for some of those. Um, and I know for me, when I was wiring up a lot of the rooms, I want to get them working enough so you could play the game but got tired of adding clever comments for every object in the screen and you know more of those might have made it a little bit richer um and without getting burned out by doing all that um but that's i think comparatively minor um i know you've ron you talked about maybe it would have been good, great to have more stuff early on in the game when people were still exploring the, the ui um more more interactions or more more screen things to touch or or different responses for different things that we might have yeah missed. I think I think on that especially that bridge scene you know when when you first get control of the um you know the two agents or Boris at the very beginning ha, ha, almost almost having gone overboard with that screen just in the, the amount of variety and the amount of different responses for stuff and and um, dealing you know with negative responses a little better because people were just kind of getting used to it I think that I think that would have been I think that would have been a good thing to have done but other than that I you know I just don't know right because you know we kind of set out to accomplish a goal and that goal was to recapture the charm of those old you know Lucasfilm games and we I think we had to operate under certain you know um certain set of constraints to be able to accurately do that and i and i think we did that and i think i'm you know i'm kind of pleased with that 
Now, if I was to do another point-and-click adventure game, you know, would I have verbs? Probably not, right? I think that's the point where, you know, if it's a brand new game and we're not we're not involved in this kind of experiment that we were, that's when I kind of go through and I start I start to want to innovate, you know, on all these things like the UI and how characters interact and how puzzles are constructed. Because I think if we had done all of that stuff on this game. I don't think people would have kind of seen it as as what the game was really meant to be. It would just be, oh, this is just another kind of point-and-click-ish type adventure game out there and, and really wouldn't have accomplished what we set out to do. Yeah, and I think that we did exactly what we wanted to do. I think we wanted to capture, like you said, capture the kind of games we did back you know, 25 years ago but with today's aesthetics and today's sensibilities in terms of game design and combine the two. And, and I, I, I agree if we were to do another one, I don't think I'd want to be uh, constrained in this, in the same way that we were. You know, we yeah. Don't... I mean, they, they were fun constraints to work under, but I don't know that I want to work under them again. I, I think of that, that, that black and white movie, you know, the, the, the movie that came out, the silent movie, which was kind of a, Oh, the artist. Um, yeah, the artist. Right, it was an homage to the old silent films, and I would guess that that filmmaker would never do one like that again because he just he did it and he wanted to get it out of a system and he had he had something to to say artistically. It it wasn't it wasn't the rebirth of black and white silent movies. Exactly right. He he wanted to, he wanted to do something with within the constraints of that that genre or that time period and did it. And so if I were to do another game like, like this, I would probably want to do something um, without any constraints and just come up with something that, you know, the best in a different way, you know, like, like you said, innovations and, and changes. I mean, I, 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 someday I would love to do a, a, a VR type adventure game um, or, or say an adventure game in a VR, VR space. Yeah, that would be fun. VR makes me sick. That's the <laughs> problem. I couldn't. I couldn't work on the game for more than like twenty minutes a day. <laughs> I, I want to do VR of Thimbleweed Park because I want to be able to walk around a thing of bushes and have it be like a flat piece of cardboard and come around the other <laughs> side and it's just like this flat thing with like basically you know half an inch of thickness or something. I mean, we'll give it a little bit of thickness. I just think that would be real amusing. Well, and the other side of the cardboard is the, yeah. the, the shipping you know, shipping just, containers. Just le- <laughs> levels of like you know fragile. And and when you get behind the the buildings then there's just little sticks holding them up on the other <laughs> side you know little broomsticks or something right yeah that would be fun to be able to do that um so yeah i i, I could see doing something like that um and and this is really fun to do this but um i don't think there's that much much i really changed i mean ron you were you were thinking about doing a, a talk at one point about things that we that we messed up on. Yeah, I had I had a talk I wanted to give, just called it was Thimbleweed Park. Everything we fucked up, <laughs> and it was basically just going through and just talking about all of the things that we screwed up on the project. But I mean, I ultimately decided not to give it. It's like I had a chance to give that talk at GDC, and I ultimately decided not to because I'm just I'm not sure that it I'm not sure that I could have pulled it off the way that it needed to be pulled off because I guess I was a little bit worried that it would it would just be a incredibly negative talk about everything we screwed up and I mean we are giving it or I would have been giving it to a bunch of game developers so I think that they 
kind of would have understood a little bit of the context of stuff that this stuff happens in every project, right? This, this, simply all the things we screwed up with on Thimbleweed Park, that's not an anomaly, right? It's not like we screwed up on all this stuff and nobody else does, right? Everybody screws up stuff. And I was really just kind of talking about all that stuff. But yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of ultimately decided not to give it. I think mostly because I just, I, I'd kind of gotten to the point that I was just coming down from Thimbleweed Park and I felt like, I was enjoying a little bit of of the relaxedness and then jumping back into having to give a talk at GTC just would put me back in the in the stress bucket and I didn't want to do that. You could just write one of those papers about it, Ron, you know, write a you know, the kind of like your rules about adventure game design. Well, we'd have I mean, we do have a big list, you know, David uh, and I brainstormed a little bit on all the stuff that we screwed up and i've got this big giant document about everything we fucked up on the project but there's just no way i want to release that publicly without context because releasing that publicly it would just create a whole bunch of people just arguing with all these things or agreeing with them without the context that would really be needed for them yeah people argue with anything that you post online (laughs) i find that hard to believe but okay (laughs) well if you if you look at this game in relation to all the games that each of us have worked on in the past. And if I were to rank this in terms of, you know, total disaster or perfect, it went perfectly. Um, I'd say this is, you know, for at least from my, from my point of view, and, and of course I wasn't involved in a lot of the stuff that, that Ron was in terms of management and um, scheduling and budgeting and all that other stuff. But from my point of view, this was, towards the top of the list of good things of you know games that went well um i mean other than the fact that it took longer than we had first hoped um compared to some of the games that were say at lucas that took were way over by like years um this i thought this was a really a really positive experience so it is to from my point of view to say that we really messed up isn't really it's not really fucking up as much as it's um that's that's the nature of the beast when you're doing development and engineering and and, and something new you, you really can't uncover a lot of this stuff until you're in the middle of it and then you then you resolve it you figure it out and you fix it and I, th- I think that was kind of the point of what i wanted to talk about which is i think externally you know people look at the Boyd park as a really successful game right it, it it sold you know quite well for what it was and um, you know, we were very open during production and we had a successful Kickstarter. And I think from the outside, you know, people look at it as a very successful, you know, successful game. And and I think what I wanted to do with the talk was go, okay, you know, it was a very successful game, you know, probably one of the most successful games I've worked on, but here's all the things we screwed up. So, you know, next time you're working on a game and you're screwing everything up, just kind of remember that this is really normal for this kind of stuff to mm-hmm. happen. I think that was really the point of the talk. And that's where I think kind of releasing the brainstorm list of everything we screwed up or even releasing it, you know, in print form. I think I think you lose you lose the point of 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 the talk. And I just I just didn't feel that I really wanted to spend the effort that I would have needed to have gone through to put that talk together. Yeah. And on top of that, you love standing up and talking in front of people, Ron. I know oh, how yeah, much you love awesome. that. So 
Especially when I'm, you know, just in my underwear. <laughs> no, wait. Oh, wait. That's them you're supposed to imagine. It's the audience. You're supposed to... See, that's the problem. When I go up on stage, I don't imagine the audience in their underwear. I imagine me in my underwear. <laughs> that's just what I dream about. That's, oh, that's my, my, what, my me, me in my underwear? That's something the matter with you guys. Um, I imagine the audience naked, actually. Um, <laughs> I think we're veering into inappropriate yeah, territory okay. here. <laughs> right. Well, it's like 50 minutes. Okay, so I'm going to um, say one last thing, at least, you know, we can all weigh in on this, but, um, you know, a little bit of a sad note. Uh, earlier this week, we lost uh, a friend of ours who worked with us um, at Lucasfilm, LucasArts, uh, Martin Cameron, who we, um, you know, affectionately referred to as Bucky. He was one of uh, my art guys, one of the art guys. He worked on Zach McCracken. He worked on a a lot of other things and I just want to sort of mention you know he was a great guy a very talented guy a funny guy and he will be sorely missed yeah Bucky Bucky I think I think for me Bucky worked on Monkey Island and he did um, at least on the 16 color version he did a lot of the close-ups you know so when you cut to the close-ups of the pirates and the close-ups to Guybrush and all those things that uh, those were a lot of the things that uh, Bucky had worked on on that game he also bought my car. The very, the very first car that I ever owned, I sold it, and Bucky bought it. He did the all the two fifty six color art for Zach. Really? Did he? I didn't know that. Yeah, sounds right. And he was great. I I wish I could have have I got to have coffee with him a few years ago and had a really fun reunion. And he was as, as funny as ever. And kind of talked about what he was into and, and yeah, I'm going to miss him. Yeah. He was a great guy. Well, I think that's it. And, and that whole story that David told about the donkey, I'm going to cut that okay. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay. I'm totally editing that out. All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks Ron. I was hoping you would. <laughs> All right. Maybe it won't be another year before we do another one. Well, we'll do the two year. We'll do the two year anniversary podcast. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Now wait for it to finish buffering. Oh, it looks like we're recording now. All right. We are recording. Ron, remember to at least push the record button this time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. We ready? Okay. I'm going to do hi and welcome to... Yeah, yeah. I'm just just thinking about what I want to say. Okay. It is our anniversary podcast. That's right. It's been a year, hasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I think I'm ready. Okay.